0: that was a song disgrace off the upcoming retaliate LP titled four. It went up for pre-order last Friday on indecisionrecords.com. So go over there, handle business, pre-order that shit, pick up a copy for, uh, your best friend, your significant other, your favorite cousin, and, uh, maybe treat yourself to a test press. You know, Christmas is coming. Handle that for yourself. Verity. What do you think about that song?
1: Yeah, what up, Zach? Retaliate, 2020, Woo. 18 years later, still bringing the hardcore reality. Yeah. I love it, man. I love
0: it. Yeah. How you feel about this record compared to the other ones?
2: You know, honestly, I think that this is some of our best material to date. Uh, you know, we've got some of the fastest songs we've ever written. This this record's got the mosh. This record's got guest vocals by some of the heavy hitters in the game. Um It's got some feel-good tunes. Definitely something that everyone's going to want to pick up because as soon as this COVID ends and we start throwing some rage oars, you're not going to want to be standing on the sidelines. You're going to want to know these songs. You're going to want to know these lyrics. You're going to want to pile on, slam, and stage dive, baby.
0: Yeah, and you're going to want to look out for Verity in the parking lot because he's the man with the tequila inside the baseball bat. So you got to pregame. Always, man. Yeah, pregame and then hit the pit. What's up? <laughs> yeah, dude. That's it, man. So Let it all out, baby. <laughs> you got to bring the heat. got to bring the heat. Oh, man. But uh, <laughs> yeah, go to indecisionrecords.com and pre-order that. It is much appreciated. I appreciate everyone out there supporting the podcast and supporting the projects I do. Thank you for buying the Narcore for Life LP. That rules. I hope you love it. And I hope you love this as much because it's something that we are all very proud of. And uh, so that's that. This week on the pod, we are doing a side A versus side B. So I have some of my best buddies on and we're gonna we're gonna look at some of my favorite records and we're gonna decide which is better. the side A or the side B. It's super fun. I hope you all enjoy it. If there's some records you want us to do next time, make sure you email me, 185 miles South at gmail.com. Let us know what records you want us to do. And I think you're going to enjoy this one. Please support the podcast by subscribing to it wherever you listen to it. Also, if you have time, like it, rate it, review it. All that stuff goes a long way. I don't know how the fuck podcasts get like charted or whatever, or like what the metric is, but I know that stuff matters. So if you help out, that is awesome. If you want to go the extra mile, You can go to patreon.com slash 185 miles south. $1 gets you behind the paywall, and I'm trying to do a bonus episode for basically every interview podcast. So after an interview, I get some buddies together. We talk about the podcast. We go through the discography of the person I interviewed, and these are some of my favorite episodes. I think it's the best stuff we put out, so check that out. Dollar, gets you see behind the paywall. If you can do more, do more. It is much appreciated. The patrons are the people that keep this pod alive. And let's get on with the pod. Verity, hit him with an oof.
3: <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> 185 miles south, a
1: hardcore punk rock podcast.
0: What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we are going to do something new. And what we're doing is we're doing side A versus side B. Uh, You know, we're vinyl nerds. And so, like, it's a cool thing about a record I've always thought, and when I've made records, is like, you know, the sequencing of the album, how the songs flow from one to the other. But then it's also interesting, like, weighing out your record. Like, if you're used to listening to things on vinyl, I've always thought, like, what, you know, obviously you think about the first song on your record. But then I also have always thought about, like, what's the first song outside B? Like, I want it to hit too. And then there's lots of records out there. You know, obviously the first one we do. Uh, we're going to do Faith versus Void, which is, you know, an age-old topic in punk and hardcore. But, you know, there's lots of records like that where, you know, which one's better, side A, side B. So I chose a bunch of records. We're going to go into it. We're all going to discuss which side we like more, and uh, it should be fun. Help me out this week. You know him. You love him. He's episode one. He's the legend. He's Joe Rivas. What's up, Joe?
3: The legend.
0: Hi. Yeah. Also... Daniel Sant from over my dead body. What's up, Daniel?
1: What's going on? Hey, since we're talking about vinyl, I want to tell everyone out there pre-order that retaliate indecisionrecords.com. Boom.
0: That's what's up. Yeah, went up last Friday. Uh indecisionrecords.com. Check it out. Also, a man that put out more than just records. He put out a fucking book. It's what? Ben Ed- it's Ben Edge, aka Bedge. What's up, Bedge?
2: What up? I wish I had a like a a cool catchphrase to say when after you introduce me. But I don't. It's just what up. Uh
0: what if you just go cold chilling? Cold chilling. On Amazon.
2: Man. On Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> uh man, Chuck D loves my book. It's crazy. He, he has he has this radio show that you can hear online and he's just like reading like 5 minute like for five minutes, he's just like reading out of my book. It's like, all right, I'm just going to read you this book today. Like, wow. Anyway, that's very uh, – I'm, I'm totally honored. Public Enemy is my favorite rap group ever. I Who don't is Chuck D, Ben? I don't know. Some guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know what to think. But we're talking about Hardcore today. so
0: Yeah, tune into the Patreon episode. I'm going to read everyone "Good Night Moon. You can listen to it every night before you go to sleep. <laughs> Uh, All right, so let's jump in. The first record that I chose is the no-brainer of Punk and Hardcore, side A versus side B. But I want your guys' opinions. And everyone out there, two things. First off, make sure that you respond to us or send me an email or whatever, social media. Let me know what sides you like of these selections because it's always fun when you just chime in on like the Super 7s and so forth. I love that shit. And also… We'll
1: put it up as a poll too, Zach. Like on the stories, we'll do which side do you want faith or void? Like we'll make it a, a poll that shows the
0: sentences. Apparently episode six is making orders now. Um, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I want you guys to do the is legend. Jesus. Okay. Also send me in whatever uh, records you want us to do next time. If you enjoy this Bye. podcast, send in what records you want us to compare side A, side B. There's so much shit. My list was huge. We're going to get to like 10-ish this podcast, but there's a ton. But I'll tell you what, if you're a Patreon or you're just a, a solid listener, hit me up and I'll bump your shit to the top of the list. You know what I mean? Let's get into it. But uh, yeah, number one, we got to do, we got to do faith, the the faith void split, discord records. And uh, Ben, why don't you take it away?
2: This is a funny one to start with because um. I didn't know this until recently, but the, uh, the pressing plant acknowledges the void side as the A-side, but the record label Discord believes the faith side is the A-side. So, I mean, we're going with faith being the A-side and void being the B-side. But even if you look at Discogs, if you look at the first press, it has void as the A-side. Um, but um, this is like a pretty cool, I, it's probably the best split record ever. Um, it's maybe the first one I can think of. Am I forgetting something like really obvious that came before this? I, I can't think of anything. Of
0: know. of uh, yeah. You know. This is the um, obvious.
2: Yeah, it's the, it's like the yin and yang of hardcore. You have like the faith representing creation and void uh, representing destruction, I, in very general terms. I didn't make that up, but I like that, and I'm going with it. Um, and if you want, here's the thing about. this record is rated like at this point it's like it's like nine to one void to faith like most people are going with void well and i don't know if it's always been that way i think it was maybe at some point it was a little bit more even um and then here's the thing about why the void side is actually better if you want something like the faith side to scratch that itch that the faith provides the the style of music they do you can listen to a band like minor threat but if you want something that sounds like void there's nothing else it's like that's it void is like an island they're like singular so faith becomes unique sounding later on when they do the subject to change 12 inch but they're not there yet with this one and then the other thing is void has this reputation of making music that sounds like it's going to fall apart at any second but if you listen on headphones which I did. Last week preparing for this episode If you listen to the Faith side They sound like they're going to fall apart too at any minute But it doesn't really Serve the style they're playing as well Because you know if, if Faith played these same exact songs tighter Like if they were more well rehearsed they It would probably come out better But if Void played really tight It just wouldn't even be the same band Like I don't even know what it would sound like So it's like The fact that both these bands are really loose it favors void over faith, and uh, but I love I love faith, and I'm sick of the faith bashing. So let's put an end to that. So I'm going with side B void.
0: Yeah, you know I think that it it was even like when I got into hardcore and so forth, but it switched to like side void being the super popular one, like maybe around the year 2000 2001. You know, when like the more negative wave of like hardcore came, you know, because you're tracing it back somewhere. Um, I do want to say that, you know, what you're talking about a little bit, Ben, I think that like sometimes this record now gets looked at as like Faith is like the gnarly side and like, excuse me, Void is like the gnarly side and Faith is kind of like the safe, straightforward, like in the lane side. The fucking tone of the Faith side is like one of my favorites. Like there's actually like a lot of fuzz in that guitar and the way the bass is set, like right underneath that fuzz it's like almost the perfect mix of like those two instruments for like an older hardcore sound. I absolutely love it in like re listening to this, you know, I've listened to this album a million times, but like going in to listen to it as a practice for this pod and like really trying to dissect it. Like that just stood out to me that I think that this faith tone is one of the best ever. Um, but the void. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the void side is like Ben says, you know, it has a reputation as like it's almost falling apart, but it's crazy and aggressive, and you know, hits versus hits. Just void my rules. Fuck it. It's one of the greatest hardcore songs of all time. I'm going side void. Uh, Daniel, let's shoot it to you.
1: I'm going side faith. Um, I do remember when this sea change came in where everyone started jocking the void void side and it was probably around like 2002, 2003 uh, where it started, you know, I think even before that, the faith side was regarded in a little bit higher than the void side, I feel, from my social circle. Um, The faith, I think, is pretty perfect almost snotty early hardcore um, with some like really fun, like tuneful parts that come out like on like face to face. And I feel like, you know, like the songs trapped and what you think, like the verse cadence is completely ripped off by Chromex on uh, Don't Tread On Me. Like the verse cadence is like almost identical, but that's just something I noticed when, listening to it with a much you know more studious ear to do this um i really love the interesting guitar that the faith break into tease you with that obviously like ben says um is developed much more for subject to change and then beyond that for like you know all the revolution summer stuff that came later um and then the song confusion i really love it's probably besides your ex, my favorite song on the on the faith side because it's like, it's almost like Circle Jerk's Worship, you know? Um, Which, you know, we're contemporaries but it definitely sounds like that. Now, the Void side might be a bit more exciting musically uh, and I do think they have a better recording than the faith side. Um, but listening to it it's like it's interesting what you say, Ben, because I feel like the drums can't keep up with the shredding of the guitar and bass. Like the drums just seem to be like a a little bit of of a a weak point, even though it sounds great. I mean both sides fucking rip, but the faith is is my pick.
0: Yeah, I think that like that's the hardest thing of this practice and this is gonna be the only record where we're doing like a split record, uh, in this round one, um, you know, choosing one against the other. I think that like now people high rate the void so much that like the faith side, almost, it doesn't get like the credit deserves, you know? And so I like that you, you mentioned that about the void side, Daniel, that you still like think it's rad. Cause like, this is one of the greatest hardcore records ever. Like
1: I also, I also, yeah, yeah. I also think the faith, and I mean the artwork on both sides is fucking sick too, but I also think the faith have a little bit more to say also.
0: Yeah, getting lyrical. Episode one, tell us who's right and who's wrong.
3: Daniel's right. You guys are wrong. The faith crushes the void side. People like the void now because it's, trendy thing to do. That's it. That's it. I, I, I'm i not saying that those songs aren't great. They are great. And I love them. I've always loved them. But those Faith songs are so, they, they are the beginning of melodic hardcore. Now, no, My Threat certainly touches that stuff, but not like this. Dag Nasty is built off of this more than, than, than they are off of Minor Threat. In, in my opinion, you know, because of, because of the stuff that, that, uh, uh, Mike, uh, uh, you know, that Hampton does the, the guitarist for like, you know, because of that, because of, um, the aggressiveness now, now the recording and the playing of, on the faith side is much, uh, much to be desired for because there are what 13, 14 year old kids at this time, 15, maybe. So, yeah.
0: um,
3: you know, so they're, they're youngsters, you know, when subject to change, change comes out, well, a year and a half later, they're a little bit older, they're, they're more mature and in, in they're playing. So it sounds a lot cleaner, you know, Ian threw some more money into it and he spent a whole lot of time on subject to change where this was more of a, you know, um, I'm going to say a demo, but they just released actual demos for all this stuff too. So, well, not just a couple of years ago, but, um, I don't know. I like the face side better. Void is, is great. I, I I I'm gonna walk back a little bit of what I said about them not being spectacular, but uh it, it is certainly a trendy thing to choose
0: the void side. Damn, Bedge just following the trends. How about that?
2: <laughs> well, you too. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. You We're know, the trendy ones. Yeah. That's, we have a tie we have a tie it's cool. a tie so the the people got to break the people got to break that tie um yeah some of the void demo stuff is like super rad too because you know like i hate the gangs on organized sports it's like that would have been the, one of the best songs on their side i think and the the demo version's better you know it doesn't have agree you know but hey what what can you do all right two two on that let's move on to the next one now This one came out of left field for you guys, I'm sure. Uh, We're going with the 25 to Life self-titled 7-inch. And so there's the 25 to Life demo 7-inch, and then there's this. And uh, yeah, 1994 on Striving for Togetherness, the 7-inch. And what do you guys think about it? Daniel, let's go to you first.
1: Isn't this referred to as the GOAT? Like the best record of hardcore ever?
0: no (laughs) their their best stuff is i'm know i joking well the the keeping a real cd is like the best but it never comes out on vinyl and it has a couple of these it has well it has one of the songs maybe two and uh the recording is like way way better and then the strength of unity 10 inch i think those two are like the ones that i ride for um and the demo in this i like them a lot but the recording leaves a lot to be desired so I think that for the for that 25 to life sound they benefit from like a real good recording. But yeah, sorry to cut you off Daniel, go ahead.
1: That's all right. Um the recording for this is garbage. Um but <laughs> what is Okay, I'm going to give you my reason side B wins. Side B has two songs where <laughs> The mosh part comes and he does a pit call out on the recording. What's up, motherfuckers? So good. And I, I and I enjoyed it, <laughs> to, to be honest. I enjoyed those parts uh, more than anything else on the record. And because, also, Rick to life has not really developed his voice at this point. Um, he's singing in a much more what they would have called at the time old school way. Um, but I, I, I liked the songs on side B better and I, and I enjoyed the pit call outs, uh, on the, the final two songs, uh, made my enjoyment of what is 25 to life and what should be 25 to life better. It feels like they, they were starting to gain, gain their, uh, sounds there.
0: All right. That's one for side B Joe. Let's go to you.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I got side B too. Um, can't believe is probably my favorite song of the four. Um, inside knowledge is pretty nice. Um, but (laughs) yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Daniel mentioned about Rick's voice, like side a has more of that, the you know, uh, growly, whatever thing that he's doing. Um, Side B is more, as he said Old school vocals styling So I liked that better And um, Side A is just not for me I'll just listen to Pantera instead
1: Also If I may say something I was very disappointed that all the songs Were spelled correctly And they weren't <laughs> uh, With numbers in the titles And all kinds of stuff So You know I, I really wanted inside knowledge to be like with a three at the end and all kinds of stuff. So, burned by Duff Flame. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, I was ninety percent sure that it was burned by Duff Flame. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to go pull the seven inch. I'm hoping that Discogs is wrong because I did think it was. <laughs> I thought it was burned by the flame. But anyway, uh, badge. Let's go to you.
2: How did Craig Ahead produce a record this bad? I just, re- I just noticed that Craig Ahead did backing vocals and producer. And he's like this great bass player who was in all these legendary bands. And this record is terrible. And <laughs> in- Inside Knowledge sounds like a judge song if you took out the fast parts and had a bad singer. Um, it almost... Tell me, actually, Zach, this is a question for you. Do you think this sounds more like a New York record or more like a Cleveland record?
0: Oh, well, it's, I guess that's really hard to say because my favorite New York stuff and my favorite Cleveland stuff almost kiss. So I think that's why right. That's why I love this.
2: Yeah, it sounds very Cleveland. Um, but Cleveland was influenced by New York, so it's kind of all, It it it's like splitting hairs. But um, I'm, gonna, I'm going with Side A because, to me, Short Fuse is the least worst song, and that is on Side A. <laughs>
0: yeah. So for me, this comes down to, I think Short Fuse is a great song. I, I absolutely love it. Um, when it's better recorded, it's even better. And I think Inside Knowledge is a great song. I, I love the rhythmic hits, like on the verse, and then like Rick is pretty like low-key. It's got a little bit of flow in there. Um, just like he's riding right on top of it, so this comes down to short fuse versus inside knowledge to me. Two of my favorite Twenty Five to Life songs. Um, but I can't deny short fuse. I think that's one of the best songs. So I'm going side A on the Twenty Five to Life self title seven inch. So we got another tiebreaker. The people. I go ahead. <laughs>
1: have, I was gonna say it's interesting that uh, Ben just hit us with the Craig ahead fact. Because this time period was when Sick of It All recording Scratch the Surface, arguably their most produced, like, amazing-sounding LP. And then he goes, ah, yeah, I'll take what I learned in the studio and then do the opposite.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. I mean, <laughs> I wonder how much time they had. You know, like, they might have only had, like, six hours in the studio or something, you know, like a six-hour yeah. block
1: can you imagine what the negotiations with Rick and the studio were like?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it's 400 bucks for six hours. It's like, how about three fifty and a few shirts?
3: Yeah. I wonder what, what his level of producer actually was on this too, though. Cause there's actual, another producer on the record. So,
2: Oh yeah. Tim, let's see what Tim, who Tim is. Uh, Tim Giles. Um, Yeah, some guy in New Jersey. He did Agnostic Front, Right, Right, Up, Start. That's pretty produced sounding.
0: Yeah, it's an epitaph record. But yeah, I mean, for all we know, like Craig stopped by to say, what's up? And they're like, we got to get Craig's name on the record. You know, like, who who knows? But yeah, okay, that one's split too. Two side A, two side B. All right, let's go on to the third record that I chose. And this is another classic. We talked about it a little bit on the... Los Angeles, super seven. So you can go listen to that again, if you want to hear a deep dive into it. But, uh, this is weird. The weirdos off the, we got the neutron bomb seven inch. And that is side a, we got the neutron bomb and side B solitary confinement. And I think that this argument is almost as classic as arguing faith versus void. Personally. Um, these are two of the greatest punk songs of all time it's a seven inch with just two songs on it. So like literally it's side A versus side B and Daniel, I know your answer, but let's go to you.
1: Well, this is a perfect seven inch, you know, side A is wonderful. Side B is wonderful, but I am choosing side A. We got the neutron bomb. Um, so I, I wrote a couple notes down uh we got the neutron bomb is basically perfect power pop influenced punk uh the production is immaculate for the time and it is just if you want to look at what catchy is in in uh, the dictionary this song may be sat right there you know without it being cheesy um side b solitary confinement I think it's much more punk than the The poppiness of side A, Um, even though it's still poppy and it's still catchy. um, I really love the way um, he hits the higher key as the percussion crashes on the choruses. Like, it's so cool and it almost made me choose it, but we got the Neutron Bomb wins for me. Side A.
0: All right. Joe, let's go to you.
3: Joe, side B um I like that the more pure punk, uh, la punkiness of solitary um it just it, it, it uh, uh, let me rephrase that what la punk is gonna be because this is what 78 70,
2: 78 yeah 78
3: so you know uh this is part of the blueprint I think um now, we got the neutron bomb. is a fantastic song, but it's more um, like this could be on, you know, the Clash self-titled or something that was going on at that time. Um, it, how am I trying to say it belongs more in in, in uh, coming out of out of England than it does out of L.A. So just not as uh, genuine to me, I guess. Not to say that it's not, and it, it's a freaking great song i'm not putting it down at all but "Solitary confinement changes what what punk on the west coast becomes i think
0: yeah That's no, all. no one's putting anything down i mean i only chose yeah. bangers you know so everything's good yeah. um yeah i i think that ben i'm gonna jump in and then i'll shoot it to you um you know daniel how you're talking about that we got the new trump bomb is popular. I think it's only popular like in the vocals, because like it is like he's writing like almost like a pop punk hit, you know, like it's catchy like that. But solitary confinement is actually like in the chords, it's more melodic, like like it's, it's more melodic in that way, but less catchy in the vocal. like there's not as much of a hook but it's just so drivey and perfect and good. And I know I chose, we got the neutron bomb on my LA super seven. I guess that's just cause it's one of the best songs of all time and so catchy. And it just grabs you like this recording for this year in this genre is fucking mind blowing. And like for them yeah, to just yeah. hit those ring outs on, we got the neutron bomb. Like you just know what you're in for. Like it's, it's just such an attention grabber but I think song versus song I'm going side B solitary confinement. Ben, let's go to you.
2: Equally great songs. Can't go wrong with either one of them, but I'm going with, uh, we got the neutron bomb and I think maybe I'm more partial to that because that's the song I heard first. It was on a a mixtape of a friend of my dad's made for me when I was first getting into punk. So it was probably one of the first dozen punk songs I ever heard. And, um, but there's something about it, how the vocals come in. It almost sounds like wind being generated, like, Whoa! and then when you hit those chords, it's like a bomb going off. I don't know what it, what a neutron bomb exploding would look or sound like, but <laughs> I just I just imagine like a big nuclear explosion, like bam, and it, it's just um, yeah, it's just this epic. It's epic, it, you know. Uh, I know that that's an adjective that gets thrown around too much you know like iconic gets thrown around too much but it's this massive epic sounding song and i don't think like i can't think of any other record that really sounds like this record i mean uh, musically yeah of course it's right in there with the you know early la danger house stuff but kind of sonically it's just it's like it's like they probably didn't spend a lot of money making this record but it sounds so perfect and so huge that like if I were there and I could find a way to just figure out like, okay, where was every microphone placed? Where was every knob? You know, what, what was the setting on every knob? What was every amp that was used? Just like, all right, freeze, keep it there. All right, now let's just make like 10 more records with this exact sound. Like before we fuck it up, that's what I would do. Yeah, I'm going with neutron bomb.
0: Yeah. It's like, there was like an intern in the studio, you know, and like they're at the studio where like the Eagles recorded like all their seventies records. And this dude is just like sitting behind the the shoulder of the engineer, like learning how to like record perfectly, like good radio sounding production style records. And some like young kid is just like soaking it all in. And then, you know, the, the weirdos book, like an eight hour block, you know, and, and the engineer's just like, all right, Johnny, like, here you go. Do your first record. This one doesn't matter. It's the fucking weirdos. You know, and he's like, I know everything. You know, and, like, they just <laughs> they just got some fucking guy that, like, knew how to do it properly. Because you're right. Like, sonically, like, just nothing in this genre compares to this. Like, in the era, it's so big and crazy. And, and Joe, I, I think it's interesting, like, the, you say Neutron Bomb kind of has, like, a UK feel. Because... I wonder if it's, it's more like in the, the lyrics a little bit of like the tongue in cheekness Like it's a little – like it's sarcastic, right? But I also think that's interesting that, you know, you're saying that sonically solitary confinement is like, you know, the basis of the Southern California punk sound. But then also on the LA Super 7, Ben was saying that like vocally here, like the solitary confinement, that nihilistic lyrical thing is also – very like unique to Southern California punk as well. It's like almost like side a, like they got the, the lyrical SoCal and then side B, they got like the Sonic SoCal, which is just very yeah, yeah. interesting. I can see that. So yeah. Um, again, we're tied. Jesus Christ. The people got to bail us out. Um, let's, no, yeah, I don't think we're tied. I think neutron bomb three to one, right? Yes, yeah, Three to one. Oh, my bad. I'm the loser over here. I th- I thought, I, Joe, I thought you went solitary, no? I did. Yeah, so I'm solitary did, too. Did you go neutron? No, I, I went
3: solitary. Oh, yeah. oh, I see. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay.
1: See, Zach, oh, stabbed, Zach stabbed himself in the
3: back
0: from the, <laughs> oh, from
3: the, <laughs> from the From the, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay.
0: Yeah. My bad. Hey. All right, we're tied, tied. again. Right, just, just ask episode one. I'm that trendy guy. I'm just floating in the breeze. <laughs> you know? Um. All right. The fourth one I pulled, this was an idea Ooh. after, again, on the, on the Los Angeles Super 7, we talked about this some. But I thought it was interesting. It's the Black Flag, the Nervous Breakdown, 7-inch. I think it's interesting because on side A, you have the song Nervous Breakdown, one of the greatest songs of all time. And on side B, you have three great Black Flag songs. So it's, almost, it's just Nervous Breakdown versus The Field. And so, Daniel, let's go to you on this.
1: The way the way I feel about this seven inch is the bookends are the stars or the the bread are the stars of the sandwich and the two pieces of uh, vegetarian meat in the middle don't really count so it's it's first song versus last song for me and nervous breakdown is just a juggernaut It just cannot be stopped. Like, the thing is, there are going to be people listening to this, and they are sick of Nervous Breakdown because they've heard it 10 trillion times in their punk and hardcore, like, growing up. And they've heard bands cover it. They've heard all of this stuff, right? But imagine a world without that song. Yeah. Ain't a world world I want to live in.
0: I know know. that's the struggle with this. That's the struggle with this because the side B is a banger, dude. I mean, fix me and waste are two of like the, the most classic black flag songs. like, I don't know if I can live without either of those either, but nervous breakdown is just, it's a notch above dude. So it's like, that's why this is the ultimate one. I think of taking nervous breakdown versus a field. You want nervous breakdown? Or you want three sick flag songs. Joe, let's go to you.
3: Nervous Breakdown. Side A. Uh, You know, it's the alpha, the inception, the catalyst. You know, like you said, you can't go wrong with side B, but it just, it's on it's, it's on its own side for a reason. You know?
2: Yeah. for time (laughs) (laughs) is that the reason I don't
3: know I mean they could have made it a 33 and it would have fit so no it's not time no they could they
1: could make it a 78 and it would still fit yeah (laughs) maybe you're right
3: but um yeah it's 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 alone. the other songs are great nothing wrong with them but nervous breakdown to be
1: honest I can live without Fix Me and I've had it I can live without both of those. It's nervous breakdown versus wasted, and nervous breakdown wins. So I, I, I agree with you, Joe. Like I, I it just cannot be ignored.
0: Uh, I'm almost triggered that you can live without fix me. I can't do it, dude. I'm I'm taking the field. Fuck it. Nervous breakdown is one of the greatest songs of all time. Uh, if it's rated, if if I'm giving it a ten, as a perfect hardcore song, I'm. Still giving "Fix Me" and "Wasted" eight point five or nines, so they're adding up. And "Desert Island," I'm taking three flag songs over one. I'm going side B. Ben, let's go to you.
2: I'd say "Fix Me" is like a nine point nine. I've had it as a nine point nine, and "Wasted" is a nine point nine. But "Nervous Breakdown" is a ten, so I'm going with "Nervous Breakdown." It's the tough. This is the toughest one in the whole thing that in this whole challenge because it's like. Deciding between the best song on the record versus all the other songs, which are almost as good. Um, but man, one perfect song does outweigh, to me, three almost perfect songs. Um, and, and like, you have Keith going for the Johnny Rotten kind of sounding voice. Brian Migdahl playing drums, who never plays on any other Black Flag record after this and he's playing like this straight mid-tempo beat that you don't have with uh, robo i know i'm just comparing this to other black flag records but um i like nervous breakdown is just one of those like uh songs for the ages and, and i remember um my old band bad reaction that i played guitar in we we did a show and we normally just like play like chords and hit the drums to get people to come in the come in the venue to know that like, okay, the next band has started. Like we're about to play our songs, but I just started playing the the intro to nervous breakdown one day and people started running in because they thought we were covering it. And then our drummer just started playing it and then we were covering it and it was completely unrehearsed and unplanned and everyone was singing along. And it was like, okay, the first song we're playing tonight is nervous breakdown, like completely not in the, you know, not something we had, um, Intended to do I so love it's just like, Iana. it's just I have these like Great memories Associated with Nervous Breakdown It's kind of like a, It's like Punk Rock 101 And completely Deserves to be th- This song And But I will say Wasted On the B-side the, the Black Flag Version of Wasted Is better than The Circle Jerks Version of Wasted Would we all agree On that? Yes Yes Okay Yep So this is the This is our first Non-Tie Right? Because we have three, Zach, Zach, you're the, you're the loner
0: on this one. Yeah. I feel it. I've, I've lived that way most of my life. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean like this, this, I think this was the hardest one, you know, although shit short fuse versus inside knowledge. That was rough for me too, but yeah. All right. Let's go on to the next one. And the next one, this one registers real close to Daniel's heart. It's the alone in the crowd. Self title 7 inch. So, Daniel, let's go to you first.
1: This one hurts. This one really hurts. So, is anybody there is almost as perfect as a hardcore song can be, but when Tiger's Bite is also almost as perfect as a hardcore song can be in a different more aggressive manner um is anybody there is more pulling at the emotional i mean but it's still aggressive and amazing hardcore but it's pulling at the emotional strings a little bit more whereas when tigers fight is you know it (laughs) it has been covered a lot post 2002 2003 for a reason You know, it's very negative. It's very tough. Um, And, you know, allegedly it was written about Jules writing about Richie um, because apparently Richie was dogging him out or something and he was, like, not going to take it anymore. And uh, I don't know. Didn't Mandel tell us that, like, Richie caught up with him and handled that? (laughs) I would never take on Richie underdog, let me just tell you that. I wouldn't take on anyone. I'm a pussy. Now, so we've got the two juggernauts as the book ends, right? And then the two songs, you know, songs two and three. So the first song on side B is perfect musically, absolutely perfect musically. Now, lyrical content it's kind of a bummer um some of the lines in it pretty misogynistic even though it could be applied to any any uh gender i suppose or um but commitment is absolutely a total banger but doesn't live up musically as good as who you know so this is where it, it where the lyrics are going to win side a for me because both the lyrical content of side a track one and side a track two are top notch and amazing whereas the lyrical content on side b even though the songs are absolutely perfect and this band is one of I mean, this is one of my favorite seven inches of all time. So this kills me having to pick. But the lyrics to Who You Know and the lyrics to Ty- When Tigers Fight can't compete with Side A. So Side A wins. There. I am feel emotionally drained now. And we haven't even got to Unbroken.
0: Yeah. Oh, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> so Woke Daniel is going Side A. Uh, 90s Daniel might have gone Side B, but we'll never know. <laughs> And Joe, let's shoot it to you.
3: All right, so um, I'm just going to read my notes here. Um, I prefer side A. Side B is great. The Who You Know song has what really sounds like a Rat Pack riff to me. So I thought that was really cool, and I love the breakdown and call-out part. But I just like the sound of the songs on side A better. It It just resonated with me a little bit more. Um I didn't deep dive into lyrics, so I don't know about the misogynistic stuff or any of that other stuff Daniel was talking about, but just listening to the songs. I liked
0: Side A best. All right, and Bedge, let's we'll shoot it to you.
2: I think Is Anybody There is their best song. It's like so quotable. It's like it's like if Repo Man were a hardcore song. You know, like everything about it is quotable. It wasn't a game to me, you know? Um so that already puts side a in the, uh, in the driver's seat. And then commitment is also a really good song. It reminds me of looking back by bold, although I think commitment may have come first. So maybe it's bold trying to sound like alone in a crowd. I don't know. Um, now we're moving on to side B who, you know, is also a very good song, but the slut shaming thing has worn thin just as Daniel mentioned earlier. Uh, when I first heard When Tigers Fight, I thought it was so awful that it was funny to me. Ain't When he says, ain't gonna be no bell to go, ding! And then you actually hear a bell go ding at the moment he says ding. Like, I just thought, this is re- fucking ridiculous. He, hit just hit. oh, he hits the ride symbol. Oh, he the ride symbol? Well, it's kind of dingy. Yeah. Um, but, but it seemed so macho and stupid to me, but I was totally fucking wrong. That song rules. I... I Completely I actually think back Like how could I have thought This song wasn't good Um, But uh, And then also when he says Then we'll see Who's weak Who's strong That's awesome too Um, Side A still wins for me Because um, Is anybody there Is just It's Up there with the best songs That Revelation Records ever did I mean they're in that family already But It's just such a classic I think I that, have. I struggle with figuring out if I like which band between Side by Side and Alone in a Crowd I like more. But what were you saying,
0: uh, Zach? Well, I was just going to say that I believe that the middle of the ride symbol, that part of the symbol is actually called the bell. That's it. You know, so you guys are both right. <coughs> just just
3: well, spread,
0: spread that off. love. Okay. Uh, is anybody there? It's like Ben said. It's like right there with the greatest songs in the rev catalog. When Tigers Fight, fuck. To do a, it's not even mid-tempo drivey. So it's like, it's a little more up-tempo than calling it a slow song. But for hardcore, I would consider this a slow song. And for any non-melodic hardcore band, like you're not drop tuned, you're not heavy, you have no melody. For you to pull off a good, slow song, that shit is so fucking hard that like it elevates this song to the next level it, it and it's just it's, I don't know, a super iconic song, but is anybody there is one of the greatest songs of all time? I'm going side A as well, so I think this one is four zero. first one.
1: I wish Commitment had, uh, because you know they famously only played the one show. I wish Commitment had his intro that he does at the show into the song. It would make it even more iconic. Where he's like, if you are sick of people (laughs) being straight edge one day and no edge the next, like he does this, if you are sick, it's like almost like this political rant. And then he goes, into the song. Oh, it's so fucking awesome. Look it up on YouTube, everyone.
0: All right, let's move on to the next one. This one, I chose one of the singles of one of the greatest bands of all time, Blitz, and it is Never Surrender. Side A, Razors in the Night, Side B, uh, Seven Inch. And Joe, let's toss it to you first.
3: Um, side B, a is what?
0: Never Surrender. Yes, Never yeah, Surrender right, versus Razors of the Night.
3: Yeah. Okay. So I chose side AA, Razors of the Night. You better watch out for the Razors of the Night. I love that line. That was great. That's all I needed. Like this wins. <laughs> all right, all right. The, song is, the, the song is great. I loved it. It was fun. The other song is great, too. It just I like this better.
0: Yeah, I chose I chose the seven inch because I thought it was you know the same way that I'm going on and on about alone in the crowd pulling off a like a slow hardcore song. I thought that yeah. this this was kind of awesome because this is an oi band pulling off a pretty fast song in Never Surrender. Right, and like right, so right. it's like it's really standing out of the genre. It's Like oh shit, they wrote a rager and like Never Surrender fucking rips. But uh, I'll, I'll wait till last, Bede. Let's shoot this one to you.
2: Uh, There are bands that transcend their respective genres. You know how, even if you hate, like people who hate heavy metal probably might still dig Black Sabbath or people who hate straight edge hardcore. A lot of them still are into Minor Thread or Gorilla Biscuits. Um, Well, I hate Oi and I love Blitz, love Blitz. So this is definitely a band that transcends their respective genre. Um, I think that these are both great songs. Um, but it comes down to speed. That's kind of the main thing that differentiates these songs from each other and never surrender rips. And, um, I picture when I hear the song, I picture a bunch of dudes with painted faces, like running into battle, like never surrender, rave heart style. Um, and then the B side, I, this is like a little side story. I had this idea like 15 years ago, of shooting a music video to this song, to this version of this song, where all these punks and skinheads are riding around in razor scooters in the middle of the night while lip syncing to this song. And I had it all mapped out. Like it would be shot in the industrial part of downtown LA. So there'd be no traffic. And the camera would be on the back of a truck driving away from the scooters. So that facing the camera the whole time. And we'd like start with one guy. And then like a bunch of people would join in like towards the end, it would be like dozens of people. And, um, you know, I never really did it, but I thought it would would have been a funny video for for razor. So every time I hear "Razors in the Night," I I, I have that vid- that imaginary music video playing in my head of a bunch of like tough-looking dudes riding around on razor scooters. Still a good song. Never surrender. Win side A.
0: Daniel, let's go to you.
1: Backstreet Boys wear boots and braces, razor blades and angry faces. Razor in the Night is is a perfect song in the genre of punk, let alone in Oi. I love the guitar effect that they have, uh, what pedal they're using or whatnot, uh, that makes the sound so perfect. It is so catchy. Um, The verses are catchier than the chorus, which i love um and you know what the in control cover is pretty damn amazing as well
0: yeah yeah you know uh, we we did this on the plays. they hit seven inch and ryan hits the greatest note i've ever heard in my life you know like i don't know if you guys know but i'm actually a pretty big fan of the the second adele record you know like she's got a beautiful voice and uh Man, when, when Ryan hits that note, on the, it's on the last verse. You know, it's like, because violence is the only game you've been taught. Like, he just hits this fucking note, and it's beautiful. It's like, better than Adele. You know, so, <laughs> fucking love it. Well, and
1: also, let's just uh, give props to Blitz for being the Mancunian uh, oi band. Like, almost all the oi bands at the time were from down south. There was just Angelic Upstarts in the northeast, and... Blitz in the northwest, so you know, got to give props to Blitz. They're the best, the best. Yeah. What about
2: what about um um post punk Blitz? You like that oh, Second Empire Justice? I fucking love it. I really love it. But
1: skinheads with mustaches look funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'm going side raises in the night. Um, although I got to bring up some old beef. Because remember, the reason why In Control covered this was because Daniel goaded us so hard, but we were supposed to have <laughs> a trade. We were supposed to have a trade because you said if we covered this Blitz song, then I could choose a song over my body covers, and you guys were supposed to cover one of the songs off Side A of the Burn 7-inch. You know, I thought Godhead might be too hard, so I was like, you can do Shall Me Judged, you know, whatever. Or no, I was like, Shall Judged might be too hard, you can do Godhead, you know, but... What the fuck? You left me hanging. I've been waiting for that burn cover my whole fucking life. You know, we did our part. Not not only did we we, play it live, we put it on record. I know. That's fucked up.
1: I wasn't... Hey, my band were... Near the end, were so, like, anti-doing covers. And I was like, you know we're a hardcore band, right? Like, this is what hardcore bands do. We do covers. Like I
0: don't know. Yeah. Also, don't get
1: me started now.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. The other thing is uh when In Control played positive numbers in two thousand two, uh Poor Cell was in a band that he sang for called Never, called Never
3: Surrender. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and they covered the song and like no one knew it. And you could tell like he was bummed. You know, it's like it's like here's my band's namesake, we're covering the song and like it's like one of those things like two people are singing along like, oh, this is almost like worse than having no one sing along, you know, but, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So this one, three to one raises of the night
3: versus. If Daniel was down, he could have sung an acapella by himself.
0: True. To,
3: to do that bet. You know, that is true. At least, at least if
1: no one sings along, you can kind of pretend that it's your song and people <laughs> be like, oh, that first song
0: was sick. <laughs> right, right. That was true. That's true. All right, so we're taking a hard left turn from Blitz <laughs> straight on to one of the most iconic hardcore 7-inches of all time. We're talking Earth Crisis Firestorm 7-inch. Joe, let's go to you. Yeah.
3: Um... I really like the guitar sound that uh that Fred has. Um if you if you know the inside on that then you get that joke, but um Side A drags. Yeah, that's okay. Side A drags. Side B is meh. Um there are some great parts, but nothing that grabs me throughout. Sorry. This just isn't for me. So I didn't even choose a side. Oh, I don't like, I don't like this record.
1: Joe. I'm sending a drone with a
2: neutron. <laughs> <laughs> I, li-
3: I, like the, I, I like the lyrics a lot of all the songs. This is actually one that I read the lyrics on.
0: Well, then I, I think you should but, have to choose because if everyone chose a, a 25 to life song, you guys didn't like it. The, the part of the exercise is even if you don't like it, find some merit in I, it and choose one side over the other.
3: I fucking hate this band.
0: Well, so there's I'll choose side A. All right. One for Firestorm. All right. Well, don't mind us. We're going to blow the seven inch for a little bit. And uh, I know you will. <laughs> Daniel, let's shoot it to you.
1: Okay. I mean, this is a very important record to me for many reasons, but it's just fucking amazing. Like sounding. Um the dive bombs, guitar wise on on Firestorm. The fact that it just hitting open E as a riff, and it becomes absolutely iconic. And the minute that's played in any venue, people will sprint to the stage to be doing fucking flips. Um, lyrically, I always enjoyed the seriousness that they took straight edge as a political choice um it is a little bit fantasy on uh in in lyrical you know like drug dealers or edge breakers being demons and things like that um i i can't not say side a because um, it's firestorm into force in the flames and it is just like an absolute straight edge masterpiece but side b the interesting musicology that they do like the uh the way the riff comes in with the down uh i i don't know how i'm not i don't have much music (laughs) like knowledge of what how they make the riff sound like almost down tune like wow
0: but doing a little bend. yeah, uh, yeah, uh, the, then, uh, yeah.
1: It when it's paired with these absolutely incredibly written lyrics about basically white supremacy and manifest destiny of taking over America from native americans it's it's really really well thought out and it's amazing and it's a shame that it has to lose to the two versus one um, and the iconic music of both uh, Firestorm and Force in the Flames but I have to go with side A but I absolutely ride infinitely for side B as well and then on the mini CD that came in the little cardboard thing you also got Eden's Demise, which is also an absolute amazing
0: song, too. Ben, let's go to you.
2: Wait, so Dan, you're side, eh? Yeah, Firestorm, Force yeah. in the Flames.
0: Yeah. Well, my answer is Jun, Jun, Jun,
2: Jun, 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 And if I could go back in time and erase this record's existence so that it didn't do the damage that it did, I would. But Firestorm is still an undeniable song. It would have to be in order to change an entire genre of music the way it did. You know, this is what turned, turned everything into metal. And it's like, It fucking sounded great the first time The first band did it Which is right here I mean, they're not the first metalcore band ever But I'm saying Integrity, integrity. yeah But this was a big deal Like, there's no denying it This was a really big deal And and, um, it's just such an awesome song And it took me a while to warm up to it um, Back in the 90s But but I loved uh, I just It's almost like DYS meets Dungeons and Dragons. You know, it's like, let's be like the, let's be as over the top straight edge as a band like DYS was. But then also, yeah, mix some fantasy into it as well. And I love Forged in the Flames of Chaos, hammered by Trust to a Tempered Steel. Um, and the seamless transition between those two songs with the drums. There's a demo that predates this that came between uh, the All Out War seven inch and the Firestorm seven inch, and it has all these songs on it plus like three more that never got re-recorded. it's really bad. I mean, the it's badly recorded, so they did the right thing by re-recording it and having it sound really good on this record. But there's like three songs that are just like pointless. Like they just sound like they wrote separate lyrics to the same songs all over again. Like they just still the like, they're just more chuggy. Like they're, it's redundant. And so they, I think they fixed what the redundancies instead of just, you know, some bands will just put out like every song they ever wrote. And then you end up having these, all these songs that sound the same. So they had enough foresight not to do that. And then I also love the B side, the unseen Holocaust. Um, but the song is the one that's on site A and that's firestorm so side A for me.
0: I think the unseen Holocaust is the best earth crisis song, uh, musically and lyrically. It is fucking untouchable. Like Daniel talking about how it comes in with like the bends and so forth. And then Carl's voice is just out of this world. When he comes in on the demons, demons! like, holy fuck. Has, like, a yell ever sounded that good? No. Never before and never after. Like, that's that's the fucking goat setting the standard of, like, coming in and just, like, I'm here. Like, this is, like, the authority. I'm the fucking front man. And I got something to say. Like, oh, my God. It's so fucking good. That said, with all of the, the nervous breakdown talk, again, it's just, like, I don't know if I want to live in a world without firestorm. You know, I can go years without listening to this record. And then sometimes I'm just like, I got to hear firestorm. I got to put it on, you know? And it's, it's the rainy blood ripoff. Like everyone knows, but like, they're just taking a section of a fucking great song and like turn it in to like their own. And, you know, Daniel, you're saying like integrity's first. And of course you're right. But Integrity's playing kind of like just straight metal, like in the like the formation of the song, like the structure of the song. Like they're just doing metal. It's like metal and hardcore, but it's still like fast. You know, I don't know. This is like full yeah. on. It slows down. They're creating like an entire genre. And, you know, with Ben, I was never a fan of this genre like after this but this is so fucking undeniable like to have that voice and then to write lyrics like so catchy on Firestorm and to write lyrics like so deep and good on Unseen Holocaust and then the other thing with talking about how influential this is bridging like Firestorm to the second song like that's an iconic part too because Oh, yeah. That whole, like, working the toms, like, having that be, like, you know, a huge thing, that is, like, that 90s metal core. Like, all those toms are... And a ring out, you know, and then, like, then you go to the verse or whatever. But, like, they but the, almost...
1: The, the, the tempo change, too, like, the gradual tempo change is iconic and ripped off. Countlessly
0: after. Yeah, it drops a little bit when it comes in, like the Ford in the face of chaos, Plane. and then going into the chugs. Oh, f- in the flames of chaos, whatever. <laughs> I'm only. I was <laughs> the writing the song. I was writing for the lyrics on the fucking unseen holocaust, dude. Uh yeah. Song they are incredible. Song one and three, get it for me. Uh I gotta go. Firestorm though. I'm going side A. I just I can't live without it. Even though I do think that "Unseen Holocaust" is the best Earth Crisis song, uh, and,
1: and you're a hundred percent right that Carl never
2: sounded as amazing as he does on this seven inch. Yeah, again. yeah. What the what the fuck happened, man? He was like he turned into like garbledy like yeah. on all those well, albums th- that came out. I after don't this.
0: think you're knocking Carl versus Carl. Is that no one sounded like this ever again? Like whatever was in the but air that knew- night but
2: he knew how to sound like that at once. And it was a success. Why like, wouldn't he stay? I don't know. I just wish he kept singing like that. I would actually be able to tolerate some of, some of the records, well, they, uh, yeah, some of the songs on the later records. He's belting
0: he... so hard, dude. Like you physically. They also down, dude. Let me finish. Let, let me finish. Lot. Let me finish. He's like <laughs> physically belting so hard. Like you can't do that physically. Like you have to like find where your voice is, you know, like not everyone is like Scott Vogel who could like maintain this perfect yelling voice, like his entire life, you know, into his forties. Like, I think that he physically can't do this. Like, you know, he did it this night when he recorded this and it's totally insane. But like, at some point you have to, you have to find a voice that you can like do consistently. And I just don't think that this is like an attainable voice to do, you know, like a lot. some other like the the first singer of uh one king down like he had a great like yelling voice like this as well but he didn't he didn't like sing as many words as this you know it could kind of be like he he waits and then he can do like a giant yell but this is like carl doing it like in a sustained amount of time like over and over like i just i physically don't think that you can sing like this and I think that's why he might have changed his voice a little bit, you know, Daniel. sorry, you're saying he down tuned and it changed a little bit.
1: No, I'm saying the band went to much lower tunings like for subsequent recordings after this, so they embraced being metal more and more with each record, you know um, what he does so well on this vocally is like. Like it can be seen on forging the flame, it's like forged in the flames of chaos, and then he takes a step back, hammered by truth too. You know, and I don't know. He just he bounces around, whereas it makes his yells even that more impactful. So when everything is just lower and later on, it's it doesn't have any power compared to this.
2: So yeah. you don't like any of the other records, Daniel no, I- of.
1: I like Destroy the Machines and I like a couple of songs on Gamora's season ends. but after that nah they lost me what about For the fetus
2: For the cat For the cow oh, For the rat
1: All Out War I absolutely I mean that that's up there with Firestorm 7-inch for me Firestorm's just a touch ahead but I love his voice and I love the sound of Earth Crisis on All Out War even more with the like Ben Reed like backups of the like like i love that stuff it's amazing i wish you know some band could recapture that and do it right where it would instantly grab me but I, it it was a moment in time i don't think it. yeah be, i don't because it you know it was the fact that they were playing with bands like still life and and other bands like that so it was what it was i don't think that can unless you really go into a lab like the uh is it future meme? Oh, this sounds just like nineteen ninety two Syracuse drop it. <laughs> Other than that, I I don't think anyone could catch it, you know.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. All Out war is so of the time. I don't I don't yeah. th- it's just one of those records that nothing sounds like it before or after and you know, it it's it's really rad for what it is. Okay. Yeah. So that one we all agreed again. Firestorm side A. Uh, let's go on. The next one is going to be Breed Under the Knife. And this is fucking great. So this is Smash Your Enemies and Kill an Addict versus Under the Knife and Filth. And Daniel, let's shoot it to you.
3: Whew.
1: Now, I wish the recording was better. <laughs> you know, um, but goddamn, when this came out, it might have even been at the time I was like god that's that's too hard <laughs> that's so fucking hard it's too hard um, so I mean Kill an Addict is unbelievably hard you're like so glad that Jamie Hatebreed wasn't running any like rehab programs in the Connecticut era, area Oh just kill an addict Um, and Smash Your Enemies is probably the prototypical what is the hate breed sound after a bit more but I like Side B better Under the Knife the fast upbeat break I fucking love it the down like the kind of bend notes that you were talking about um, earlier that it has in it and then Filth I think that has the most ignorant mosh part of all time. Like the negative space, the weird like high, high snare and almost like Calypso beat to, to the hardest mosh part ever. It's like, it's so fucking crazy. So if I was going to, I mean, out of all four songs, smash your enemies is my least favorite. And I kill an addict might be the favorite, but I'm going with, i really love side b over side a just because it's like um you know say if the if the record was a five it's like side b gets a three and side a gets a two you know so it's kind of split like that for me so i'm going side b
0: joe the shooter do you yeah i
3: got side b as well i agree with daniel um yeah, under the knife song just grabbed me the most. Um, I like the lyrics. It seems like it's kind of like an anti-suicide song, but you know, it's you know, you know how lyrics are sometimes when they um uh, mysterious, you know, sometimes. But it sure seems that that's kind of like what it's about. Um, I could be way off on that, but that's that's what it seems like to me. I really like the song. It's got it. It it it's it, like Daniel said. It's got that speed in parts, and, and um, you know, uh, it's got a good feel. Side A is great too, though. I really like this. All four of these songs, uh, which is surprising because I'd never thought that I liked Hatebreed, but I like these songs.
0: So you converted me. Yeah, Ben. Let's go to you.
2: <laughs> this is this was the first record I ever reviewed, and here I am reviewing it again. I actually wrote record reviews briefly in the 90s for heart attack and this one came over the table and i had never heard of hate breed before and i you know took it back to my dorm room or wherever i was living at the time and i you know compared it to integrity for some reason i think maybe because integrity was just kind of like the stand-in for metallic hardcore or, or metalcore like they were the most notable band from that genre and it's like Oh, this is metal sounding Eh, like integrity and like net listening to it again today. Like doesn't sound anything like integrity. What a terrible review. But, um, (laughs) the main difference, the main difference is integrity is good and this sounds worse than 25 to life sounds to me, which actually surprises me. I thought I would, I would, um, like 25 to life even less than this, but I think this is the, this is exceptionally bad. And, uh, I'm going to say Psy B wins because it means the record is almost over.
0: (laughs) Lisa Oglesby would have never shit on this record like that, dude. That's all I got to say.
2: Oh, I know the review was pretty fair. It actually, I was like, this isn't my cup of tea, but it's pretty good. Like something like that.
0: Yeah. You know, the recording on this is notoriously bad, but it gives so much character to it. It's just like, the fact that this is like the origin story of of what would be come hate breed is like insane. And these songs are so fucking good. Like, no one can do this. Like, no one ever did it again. It's just this, you know, this seven inch, the songs of the era, like the split seven inches, you know, the demo, which I believe is just an extended version of this. And then the first LP. It's just so untouchable. I think the best two songs are the first two. Um, but I, I do love that the second side is it's got a little more YOLO feel like filth doing the whole f- full scissor beat, you know, just going yeah. like raging fast. Like it's, it's a nice take because, you know, only taking in four of these songs, you're like, fuck, what is this band all about? Like, it's just the most insane music I've ever heard. Like, what is it? Are they like metalcore? Are they like going to go grindcore? Like what the fuck? Like, just where they could have gone is like endless. But the songwriting on the first two, Smash Your Enemies is a perfect song. You know, like the when they're doing like the cutouts in the scene for the build-up to the breakdown is like some of the most classic, like modern hardcore shit ever. And then Killin' an Addict, like a lot of heavy bands, when they do like the youth crew beat, like the do-do-da-da-do-do-da-da-do-do-da- with like the heavy guitar over it is like one of the most underrated things in hardcore. I think like those two just come together, like heavy ass guitar over like the generic youth crew, Tom beat. Like somehow those things have like this unholy marriage that just like works so good. And you know, this is Jamie's like early lyrics are fucking amazing. You know, like, tried to help you but you spit in my face so now you're on your own like fuck it's just so good and you know and then doing that beat and then like dropping into like the like the metal mosh ah, it's ill I'm going side A these are two of my favorite songs of all time I think these are two of the best hate breed songs ever which means they're two of the greatest songs in the history of music so side A and uh cool.
1: What do, you, what do you think, like, my evaluation of the vocals on Smash Your Enemies is that I feel, you know, how that's the most, like, hate breed going forward, the way his vocals are. But I don't feel like, I think he's trying a little bit too hard on this recording of that, whereas he seems a bit more natural on the other three songs you know, he's doing more of the like, like excessively on the smash your enemy song. And that's kind of why it, it misses a little bit for me compared to the other three.
0: Yeah. But he's like demoing something that he would perfect on the LP.
1: Well, of course. I, of course. But, but we're just evaluating the seven. So no, that's I, I, why I feel you. That's but why. I, Cy- yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I, I can feel that a little bit, but I just think that like, this is a, a template of like, what is to come. And I'm like, yeah, I like that. Give me an LP's worth. And then they did, you know, and it's like, Oh fuck it is. This stuff is, is untouchable to me. And like, I don't know, this is, this is a fun episode because I think we're kind of all over the place. And a lot of that goes with like my selections, you know, like anything from the weirdos to this hate breed seven inch. Um,
2: Dan, what does, what does this, um, hate breed record do for you that the twenty five to life record we talked about not do for you? Like what makes but, this good and that one not good.
1: I well what I think's interesting is that you would kind of lump them together whereas I feel the hate breed one is it knows exactly what it's doing musically. It is taking what would be referred to as old school hardcore and providing such an aggressive metallic Edge, but still making sure every part is hardcore. Do you know what I mean? Like, like Zach said, there's the youth crew tom beat that is just eviscerated by the hardest, like metallic riff over the top. Um, whereas the 25 to Life one sounds amateur compared to this. Even though this recording's not very good, the band knows exactly what they're doing and they are. Taking a step into they're like Venn diagramming, like between old school like NYHC and integrity and beyond, like metal beyond, and they're like riding in the middle of that Venn diagram. You know, right?
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean this this is like literally it's taking youth today and sick of it all and meshing it with entombed and suffocation. Like, it's just yeah. it's the marriage of those two. And Ben, the reason why people like this more than the 25 to Life is because it has fast parts, right? And that's what gives it okay. that more old school feel as well. Like, these songs and are. The foot f-
3: right.
0: Yeah, they're fast and short, where like the the 25 to Life 7 Inch I chose, like all those songs, none of them have a fast part, you know? So it's, it right. it can sound a little bit more droning. Although, I do think that the reason why some of that 25 to Life stuff sound like. I think if there's enough like tempo changes, and they hit the tempos that I like, and I think Rick does do some catchy things. That's what makes it stand out to me. Outside of like, I'm not a fan of '90s metalcore, really. You know, that's why those two bands stand out for me. But uh, yeah. Again, moving on to something completely different. Again, uh, we're going way back, early Boston. That's the last right seven inch, one side chunks. One song, one side is "So Ends the Night," and Ben, let's go to you first.
2: Um, this is the most famous band that only ever played one show, and they "Alone in a Crowd" shared that honor with them. But then "Alone in a Crowd" blew it by doing a reunion last year, uh, so that means they they played two shows. So Last rites is the most famous band that has ever only ever played one show. Um, but uh I love the song "Chunks," and um, What's funny is Dinosaur Jr. covered the song Chunks in the mid or late 80s. And there's a CD that com- compiles their single, early singles that SST put out. And uh, my girlfriend will sometimes listen to it in the car. And, I, and she is not at, in any way interested in hardcore music. And it's funny just being in the car with her while she's listening to Chunks. Because it's like, not only is it hardcore music, but it's like really hardcore. And the Dinosaur Jr. song is very true to the original. They didn't it, it, it's it's very similar. They didn't really change it much. Um so that's funny. And um um this song is like it's like a great early example of chunky hardcore, which is definitely where hardcore ends up going in the nineties or even even the late eighties, at least in New York. And so the story behind how it got its name is it's like the song goes chunk, 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 chunk. So they were just like, oh, oh, chunks. It was just like an easy way for the people in the band to just like write out set lists and know what song they were talking about. You know, the yeah. one time they ever wrote out a set list, they could write chunks. <laughs> um So um uh, so When's Our Night is okay to me. The lyrics aren't that great. And I'm not a fan of those backup vocals. Well, you don't like um, So chunks win. Yeah, yeah that's that that's probably it. You're right cuz um uh choke is a big oi guy and obviously he did Stars and Stripes which is like fully you know working that oi angle. Um and uh so I'm going with Chunks Side A.
0: Joe toss it to you. Was that to me? Sorry?
2: Yes, sir. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I prefer Chunks as well, so Side A. Um I, I just like the song better. Uh so and night was was it was good, but chunks was definitely better. And Ben pretty much said everything else that I was gonna, so I'll just uh I'll wrap that up.
0: Alright, Dan, I'm gonna shoot it to you, but you gotta mention the Coca-Cola line, right? <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Well, I mean, you know I get psyched on that, so um What's interesting about this is Around this time period, they were contemporaries with what was going on across the Atlantic with OI. You know, it's around the same time period that all the OI bands were recording. Well, obviously, Coxborough were the first iteration of Coxborough were much earlier. But, you know, the business had probably only put records out like two years before this record's being recorded. Like, so it's really interesting that, you know, Choke being a skinhead is bringing such an oi vibe into hardcore, and it sounds fucking rad. I love the hard intro; that is so rock yet so hardcore at the same time for Chunk and his cadence is very, you know, oi laid. But hear me out. So ends our night is my favorite. Of this, and it is just basically a hardcore oi song. <laughs> you know, um, it's got the the backups that Ben hates, but it's got those party style backups where it's like the whole crew is in the is in the studio, like drinking and going crazy. If you were an oi band, but the best part is they're all in there drinking Coca Cola and moshing it up. But the thing that I think is the most interesting about this song is lyrically and tempo and topic it's completely new york crew completely rips it off the judge song completely rips what this song is saying and then they judge has the line boston came around one night which is so funny because now that i've, I've really listened to this song of getting ready to record this over the last thing it's about like the night ending and like getting into a, you know, trouble with rival crews. And it, listen to the tempo of that that that's being sung, and then listen to New York crew after this, and you'll be like, "Holy fucking shit!" Like a little bit of the, you know, curtain is pulled back a bit. I feel I could be completely just making this up in my own head. Um, we'd have to ask my judge. But listen to this and then listen to New York crew and be like, hmm, the emoji with the scratching chin. <laughs> so I go side B. So ends our night.
0: Both these songs are bangers. Another two songs, seven inch. And it's like, God, yes. Yeah, so ends our night. This is like so early for choke. And he does in so ends this night, what he does so great. And that's like put together a verse where, you're like rocking along to it, but then he's so fucking witty. He like grabs you and pulls you out of it. You know, it's like that Coca-Cola line, like Coca-Cola, we don't drink no booze. No way. You know? And it's like, (laughs) you know, it's like he, he has this way of just grabbing you in verses with his wit, you know? So it's like, you can rock to it or you can like dig into it. And that's one of the things I love the most about a lot of styles of music when they're executed at the highest level, it's the same reason why I love hip hop. And it's the same reason why I love reggae, like though both those styles, you know, they sound great to have them in the background, but then like the best shit is there for, if you want to dig into it on the next level, there's this whole other layer there of brilliance, you know, like lyrically being so good. And a dude like choke, it's so intentional. It's like the same thing. It's like, you want to just rock out and slam to so ends their night, or do you want to like dial into like this witty lyricism that like, you know, he's one of the best at at the same time. Chunks is just one of the greatest songs of all time. You know, like it just, the way it comes in with like, you know, the chunk guitar and then the scene, like the lyrics with it, like it's just one of those songs where you want to grab like, two buddies around the shoulders and like storm the stage and sing along. Like, I don't know how many other songs give me that feeling more of like, just wanting to grab someone and be like, we're singing this one, you know, like we're going up front, you know, like that. This is like the soundtrack to grabbing a buddy and like storming the stage. So I got to go chunks. Although God, both these songs are so good. So that's just, a go ahead, Daniel. I,
1: I was going to say, I love how,
0: the way he's
1: doing the vocals on "So Ends Our Night" is such like a precursor to
0: "Hang
3: Up Your Boots."
1: Like, yes, it, you can hear where he's going to develop like that kind of tuneful growl. You know that um, he nails completely on "Slap You know,
0: agreed.
2: I'd like to add something. If if you're a fan of Negative Effects and Last Rites and you wish those two bands were smashed together and existed in in modern times, I would recommend listening to the band Restraining Order. Are any of you hip to Restraining Order? Yeah. yeah they made our uh, top LPs of 2019. Boom. They made my they made my top LP of 2019. That shit rules. Yeah. Hopefully one day I'll see them.
0: I know. That band rips. Shout out Restraining Order. Okay. Uh, let's go on to, we got two left, dudes. And uh, this one is going to hit close to Daniel again, so we'll go to him last. Um, but we're going to do the Unbroken and Fall on Proverbs 7-inch. And uh, Joe, we'll shoot it to you.
3: Oh, boy. This is tough. Um, probably not as tough as what Daniel's going to, to have to go through. But um, I chose Fall on Proverb side. Uh whatever side that is. I can look that up real quick. B, B, B. I chose side B. Um, I love, um, I love the movement of the song. I love, uh, I love that fucking bass guitar. That tone is fucking second to none. Sounds so good. Um, the, uh, it, the, the overall plane has a, has a certain aggressiveness. Um, um, the song "And" is great, but I just like "Fall" better, so I, I'm going with "Fall, fall on Proverb," and I love those lyrics too. So
0: that's what I got. Hell yeah, Ben! Let's shoot it to you.
2: Um, the first time I ever saw Unbroken was the first time I ever went to um the Showcase Theater in Corona in the summer of '95, and it was also the first time I ever heard Unbroken. And my friend, who had never heard them either, says. They look like rockabillies. I bet they'll play rockabilly music. And I said, nah, I bet they'll just play metal like everyone else. And they started playing. And I was like, I was fucking right. They are playing metal like everyone else. But I do remember the song that had the lyric, my hands are open, that they would sing over and over again. I was like, that song is fucking great. And people were losing their shit the whole time, but especially to that song. And then, you know, a year, maybe not even a year goes by, and I become a huge Unbroken fan. And the band's already broken up at this point. And then I find out, okay, that's the song Fall On Proverbs. So that's the first unbroken song I ever liked. And then, you know, to like a youth crew kid, that was the song that kind of resonated with me. And um, when I got to see them the next time, that was at that reunion show after um, their, uh, Eric Allen, their guitarist, passed away um, in San Bernardino in 1998. And I remember them. Uh, They were doing a moment of silence for Eric and then uh, Dave Claiborne looks around and he just goes, one, two, three, four. And then they break into the song. And, and I'm like, and that song is great too. And I always think of that moment. So two great songs can't go wrong with either one. I'm going fall on proverb. I love the, the toggle switch action and the super fast part towards the end. Um, and, um, that's that's my choice. It's it's just a you know it's a, fa- a faster tempo hardcore song.
0: Yeah, i I think the And is a really good song, but I think Fallen Proverb is a great song and one of the best unbroken songs. It has so much of what makes them a special band. You know, down to like the little guitar toggle that Veg was talking about, and then the greatest, most brilliant part of the song is like their anti breakdown. You know, like where if they were following like the formula of a normal hardcore song, they would go to a breakdown, but instead they go to like the rage beat, you know, it's just like, ah, and it's like, that just, that really like sums up Unbroken. Like they're, they're following like where the emotion takes them. They're not following like a formula and that part being in there instead of like a slower tempo change, just elevates the song to like a different level it just grabs me every time that it goes there. Like it never stops feeling crazy to me, even though I know it's coming, you know, it's still just like, ah, oh, like, I don't know. It might be my favorite part in an unbroken song. And yeah, so I'm going fall on proverb side B Daniel, let's Go to you.
1: I think you just summed up something about unbroken. So perfectly, like, hats off to you for like they do like these songs and this era of unbroken this seven inch life love regret and the final seven inch are in one corner and then the other unbroken stuff is in the other and they found themselves from life love regret then on recording this and then the other seven inch like you're right the emotion drives everything and that rage beat that you talk about and then it drops to just the bass it feels like you're going to lose your fucking mind and then the frantic screaming of my hands are open that everybody if you're in that building is going to participate in because when it's just the bass and then the guitar comes back in and just it is pure emotion now, and is like controlled, bottled up emotion, I feel. It's got the like talky parts that don't sound like anyone else. When other hardcore bands do the talky parts, it's like, yeah, yeah. Unbroken um, somehow captures those talky parts and makes them so dynamic and so amazing. And then when he comes in. <laughs> with the more aggressive style vocal after it with when the music's been kind of muted and restrained and then the it all breaks apart for the verses and then it goes even fucking maniacal for the and ending is just it it's almost like and it's matched by the lyrics where it's like a person trying to keep their emotions within themselves and you know not share and not overstate themselves and it's like pulling one string of yarn and it all starts unraveling i feel and is like that like emotionally it's like all right i'm 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 trying to hold this in and oh my god you got me talking and now i'm telling you how you've hurt me how i am hurt by the world you know and it just explodes and i think it's an incredible song, but Fall On Proverbs slightly edges it. Like you say, the the feedback intro with the quicksand-esque toggle switch usage um, into the everything dropping out and the most incredible bass tone um, and riff, for that matter, just. Yeah. Sitting by itself and then it all comes Crashing in again and It is Probably The fastest Unbroken song You know uh, I would say out of all of them And I think the songwriting Is supreme and Fall on Proverb wins Over you know Fall on Proverb gets a platinum Medal while and gets a gold Medal
0: you know, yeah. So we're unanimous. I think this is only the second one, the re-unanimous song. Um, great record, and let's go into the last one. The last one I chose is the Bad Religion self-titled seven-inch, which is nineteen eighty-one, and I believe Epitaph Records number one. Correct, Bedge? That's correct. First record Epitaph ever put out. Yeah, man. So this one is the song "Bad Religion." Politics, and Sensory Overload versus Slaves, Drastic Actions, and World War Three. And Ben, let's go to you first.
2: Um, so I just read the, the book, which is really good. It's called Do What You Want, The Story of Bad Religion. Uh, that was written by Bad Religion with Jim Ruland. Uh, very good book, just came out. And so I have a little background on this one. And there's some fun stories about this record. The first time they ever practiced together, Greg Graffin brought the song Politics to to the practice, fully written music and lyrics. And Brett brought the song Sensory Overload, fully written music and lyrics. So those are the first two Bad Religion songs ever. And that's kind of the way they ran the band ever since, which is, you know, Greg will write an entire song and Brett will write an entire song and it'll be about 50-50 um, in the songwriting. And then the other thing, uh, is that then the, another fun fact is epitaph is named after a King Crimson song called epitaph, which is like the last band you think of when you think about religion, unless you're thinking of into the unknown, in which case it makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then the other thing that kind of surprised me from reading the book is that I learned that they recorded this EP before they ever played a show, which is something that like a lot of pro core type of bands that already have like guys who are known in the scene might do like a world be free or something. You might imagine a band like that, like recording a whole record before ever playing a show. But like, these were like high school kids who had no idea what they were doing. So they just didn't know the order in which like a bit, a normal band would like go about, you know, playing shows and making records. So, they make this record. They hate the way it ends up sounding. And I actually pulled a quote from from Flipside, number twenty five uh, from nineteen eighty one, where they're interviewed in it. And Breck says, "The sound we weren't we weren't all that happy with the sound of it. The studio really fucked us over. We don't like the studio. The mix isn't that good. The voice sounds like it's underwater or something." Then their drummer Jay says, "We owe that to real life studios in Agora. Don't anyone go there." So. I don't know if Real Life Studios ever got any more uh, work out of uh, you know from punk bands after that. I haven't looked into that yet, but no, they all went to West Beach. Well, well, that that's the studio that Brett ended up uh, establishing. That's right. So that that comes a little later. But uh, um, the standout tracks to me are "Bad," the song "Bad Religion," the song "Slaves," and the song "Drastic Actions." And all those songs were re-recorded for that public service comp that came out I think in 81, like a year later. Um, so that that means, I would think that the band themselves also agree that those are the three best songs from the 7-inch, otherwise they would have re-recorded other, you know, Sensory Overload or something like that. So I'm going to go with Side B just because it has uh, Slaves and drastic Action. Side A only has a bad Religion between those three standout tracks. So Side B for me.
0: Joe, let's shoot it to you.
3: I'm going with Side A um, just because of Bad Religion in itself, that song. Um, all the songs are great, but that's just the you know, I don't know. I'm not going to say the standout, but it it, it certainly um, uh, carries on more than the other I don't I don't know yeah yeah I'm gonna stick with side a but because of bad religion because that's all so I'll just I'll just leave it at that um I, I I'm looking at the uh the artwork and they don't even mention the studio then that they recorded at so
2: oh yeah yeah on, on the
3: on, on 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 the actual artwork anywhere anywhere they say where it's mastered and they say all that other stuff but they don't say where they recorded it so that's that's pretty funny that they they you mentioned that they say don't go to this place and you know, yeah,
2: uh, yeah and yeah. i think in the book in the book the studio is not even mentioned by name either so like just this issue of flipside where they talk shit on it
0: <laughs> yeah that's kind of funny it's kind of funny too because it's like what 16 year old kids never played yeah, a show yeah. and go in and they're like the studio fucked us man it's like well you probably. <laughs> not, you, i mean like it's not like you've Worked out your sound that much, you know? Like I don't, I don't yeah. know. I
3: mean, it wasn't going to sound great regardless. I think so, but you know, that's that's a good way to to deflect anybody saying, "Oh, it sounds terrible." Well, it's because the studio, you know.
0: Yeah, they should have got. Folk. But I think it sounds it sounds punk as fuck. So I I, I love it. Yeah, Daniel, what's your call?
1: Um. So
0: I think it's
1: pretty boring except for the really really high highs of bad religion and drastic actions um i love bad religion i love that um i suppose pre-chorus or build up to chorus that sounds so 60s who kinks like almost the really melodic part before it gets to the chorus that i, I really love that um, drastic actions is fucking super good, and you know World War three like was so ripped off by unwritten law. I don't know if you ever heard their song World War Three, but being a san diegan uh you can't help but uh unwritten law has pervaded the punk scene when I was first getting in you know going to shows there um I gotta go with side A, though the the you know bands that have uh, a song named after what the band's name is. I mean, those are great bands that do that. So, you know, <laughs> I gotta go with Bad Religion,
2: side A. Yes,
0: yeah, so- and you know what's
2: funny about about you saying that uh, uh, World War Three by Unwritten Law sounds like World War Three by. Bad Religion is that um, let's see if I'm right about this I might not be uh, Un- Unwritten Law were produced by Greg Graffin who wrote the song World War 3 by Bad Religion He's, he's uh, but it's not the same record Damn! oh no they, they, <laughs> this, is, this is their first
1: LP called The Blue Room which they recorded at Nesta Studios where a young swindle went in right after and Nesta Studios had a bong welded to the mixing desk.
0: <laughs> yeah, Swindle went in right after Unwritten Law, and just like Begg talking about the weirdos, they're like, don't move a single mic. We want to sound exactly like that Unwritten Law record.
1: That's <laughs> no. the, that's the one time, One time when we did play Soma, Len, the infamous Len of Soma, comes up and intros Swindle with, San Diego, I present to you the next unwritten oh, law.
0: <laughs> no. like, oh, no.
1: Yeah.
0: So
2: that's
1: there. You have it.
0: That was the second most shameful I, moment of Daniel's oh. life until Joe said that he sounded like Fat Mike. Twenty six years later. <laughs> yep.
1: Yep.
0: All Just right. kill me. Okay. Just so. Kill me. So, I listening to seven inches is because I don't ever really listen to it by itself. It was on the eighty eighty five where it gets lumped in with the first LP and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. And and yeah, the, these songs they don't stand out too much to I me. Mean, my favorite I first off, I like the Suffer I like the four four or five albums in that chunk. Maybe Suffer through Recipe for Hate the Most. Um, more so than the older Bad Religion stuff. I think the best song on here is Slaves. Like, by far, it's just the super, super drivey, you know, uh, kind of in the way that, like, best for you off Suffer is. Like, that beat. Everybody knows what's best for you. Everybody knows what's best for you. And they hit it here. I think Slaves is a great song. I think that the song Politics sounds the most like what they would turn into later on Suffer. Like, that's a song that just almost straight could have been on Suffer. I think the most interesting part of any song is like the the transition right before the choruses on sensory overload. Like the, I don't know why, da ba ba-da-da, ba-da-da, I don't know why, da-da, da like that part is ill. But I still think the best thing on here is the song Slaves, so I'm going side B, and that's my answer. So this one's split down the middle, two side A, two side B. And I had fun doing this process. What do you guys think about this? Ben? Yeah.
2: Good excuse to uh, talk about uh, good records. Yeah. Or great records. Great records in some cases. Terrible records in others. But, you know,
0: mostly great records. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Joe, how do you feel about this process?
3: Yeah, it was definitely fun. I'm really glad that, uh, you know, I listened to all the tracks, even though I couldn't stomach some of them. Yeah. Um, you know, same specific, yeah um but 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 i i, I gave it my all and it, it you know i got turned on to something so so it it was worthwhile for me
0: thank you for having me yeah man daniel what do you think
1: i you know i i love talking hardcore <laughs> so <laughs> um even when i'm getting yelled at for it <laughs> uh <laughs> i I, I loved it, I think it's another thing that we can really chop up and and I also really look forward to people who listen putting their two cents in because I love the discussion getting wider and wider and bigger and bigger with if people share their opinions with us and and what they'd like to hear, yeah, we' talked about also like i i I just love this shit, so yeah i, I Yet another winner for me.
0: Yeah. I hope that everyone sends us the ones that you want us to do, like put it on the social media, or you can always email me 185 miles south at gmail.com. Let us know what records you want to do. Um, the one thing I would say is just if it's on Spotify, it's better. Cause then, you know, everyone can yeah. listen to it. Um, you know, if it's obscure, I left some stuff off that I couldn't find because this playlist will be posted today so everyone can go in and listen to all these tracks and chime in with what you think is better. Um, so if you have suggestions, maybe take a look if it's on Spotify or if it's easy to find on the internet, just so everyone can participate. Uh, that's all I'd say. Because, yeah, there were some that I was like looking at. Like I wanted to do a Pagan 7-inch. I love that band a lot, one of my favorite Clevo bands. And the like the 7-inches, Like they've done a lot of, like, kind of comp stuff there where they pull stuff together and it was like, I couldn't piece together any of the records I wanted to do. So I left it off this list. Um
2: You were dead in America. Is that the one you want to do?
0: I wanted to do what's this shit called love and street where nobody lives. Um, oh, but I think okay. that, I think that like I, I checked like three of them and I couldn't get like a total seven inch of any of them, but I could be wrong. Right. I could be wrong. Um Is there anything like that you guys, especially want to do is like jumping off the edge, like just brainstorming right now or nothing in the, in the wheelhouse. I'll just pulled all together again.
2: We mean for, for a side, for side A versus side B. Yeah.
1: I suggested some to you when we were talking about this and you said you'd already dialed it in,
0: but if we can, go, I I can go back and yeah, and look at what I'd suggested. uh Yeah. I was just curious then. if like you had one that like was, you know, that jumped well, out to you that's like a no-brainer, like a Faith Void or a, a Weirdos. Yeah,
1: Age of Quarrel. I feel to to dissect A versus B will be really interesting, personally.
0: Yeah, we can do some oh, about, LPs, uh, and we'll just do less. Because we got a lot yeah. in here, but a lot of that is because it's uh, two songs, seven, two song, seven yeah. inches. Joe, what were you going to say? About the,
3: uh, oh, uh, yeah, sorry. I was going to say, how about the... Uh, the uh minor threat record that has the two sevens on either side right
0: yeah we can jump into to everything what the last seven inch no no right. sorry oh you're saying the lp we choose we we choose if if it's first minor threat seven inch or MIs. right yeah that'd be that'd be a good one too I think that's, that's, that's the first LP
3: no is the two seven inches, right? And right. It,
0: there's nothing else on that. I'm,
3: I'm trying to remember now because yeah, all, right. all, all I have left is discography, which is everything all together. So, uh, like, I'm trying to, in my head, like, place, so, well, wait a minute. That's these, yeah. But,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, that'd be good. First minor threat yeah. versus second minor threat. Ben, you got anything?
2: Any any excuse to uh, talk about minor threat, I'm into that.
0: Yeah, right. man. All right, well, let's wrap this up. Everyone, <laughs> send me your suggestions, 185 miles South at gmail.com. Make sure that you pre-order that retaliate LP, or I'm going to quit the podcast. If it doesn't sell through the first, uh, if we don't sell that first press fucking no more pod, but, uh, yeah, handle business. And we will talk to you soon.